So it's like Kipple. And tell me why you feel that way. Tell me about what I showed you. Uh, I mean, it does nothing. It's super derivative. And then, like, the voice is bad if it's not buried in a chorus. It's, it's like, yeah. And your first reaction when I showed this to you was, this should be a different podcast because of that. Yeah. Because we're trying to feature good music. Right. And interesting music. Correct. So why I think this is interesting and not good, but interesting to talk about. Uh-huh. Is that that was a song composed entirely by artificial intelligence. Oh, the artificial intelligence song. So it was specifically composed entirely by artificial intelligence in the style of the Beatles. If you want to look up this song, it's called Daddy's Car. Um, right. And I guess the thing that I find interesting here is that um, I found it in a Time article from 2020. I was reading all about uh, different people's feelings about AI and music. And it's a thing I think about a lot. And uh, I found this song and I was shocked at how much it actually sounded like a song. But yeah, I think it sounds derivative because it is literally, literally right. derivative. But I also thought about how much it sounded like music i've heard people make every it just right i mean it's it band. sounded like like when i heard it it just sounded like one of those like algorithm la industry plant like absolute horse shit like i i have no How often have we heard humans that made music that sounds exactly like this yeah and I, so the reason i wanted to talk about it is because i think this really captures why I think it matters to make interesting music because an artificial intelligence can make something that sounds that, that that's going to take it, it sounds the same as indie boy from LA who's just trying to make something that will feed the algorithm right um, and no one can take your personal voice that's I mean that's incredibly philosophically true I mean that that also makes me think about like the flip side of the Turing test mm -hmm. Which is, I, I mean, because, you know, in the in the classical sense of the Turing test, it's, you know, wh when they're imagining it in the 50s, right. it's can we make a computer that mimics a human? But I feel like what's happened is that we've made humans that mimic computers. Totally. Yeah. Uh, and that that is a problem. I think it's I think it's a giant problem on like creative uh, endeavors because music I mean so the thing is is that music is absolutely possible to analyze down to the like absolute minute detail like that's music theory that's going to school and all of that and you can algorithm out any musical composition no matter how far out it is but what's the point of creating it's to make something that sounds interesting and present in the time in the moment in the space and if you yeah of course, every influence is, uh, you know, having influences living in a society, you're going to have uh, something derivative come out to a degree. But making it personalized and your own makes it like so you don't make daddy's car. But here's the problem. So the article that I found it in is actually like one of the most well thought out um, articles 
shout out to this journalist, um, Andrew Chow. He wrote an amazing article really summarizing all the different angles of AI and involvement in music and the future in positive and negative ways. Um, he links to Daddy's Car and says, uh, calls it um, uh, a 2016 AI-penned uh, song meant to mimic the Beatles is a frustrating jumble of psychedelic rock tropes that fails to come together in, in, in a meaningful way. And I think that's a pretty um, accurate analysis, but what I fear is the comments on this video are all super positive. It's like, I can't stop listening to this. I love it so much. Um, uh, I definitely recognize the Beatles elements. Um, the song is better than 90% of what's on the radio. Um, the funny thing is that the song is better than many songs today. Uh, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. It goes on. Um, many people, it has 2 million views and uh, 2,000 plus comments mostly positive about the music positive specifically about the musical composition of the song not yeah like because i listened to it and thought wow that's amazing that we've come that far that ai can make a such a uh, cohesive thing that sounds like a piece of garbage but like a piece of uh, garbage a human could have made right 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 um, but the the comments were more like i mean it struck me as like this is exactly what boomers would love us to be creating like why don't you make more stuff like this sounds like the Beatles now, I love the Beatles I'm a huge Beatles so I, I mean I guess we're like that's like an interesting I think that there's a deeper analysis of it mm-hmm. in that like if we just took the the fact that there are positive comments on it and there are positive comments on like the song structuring and stuff and then like considering the source so this is like traffic kind of driven by time magazine uh well this song was a part of the ai song contest yeah when so songcontest.com this song was actually made in 2016 but the the comp like the top comments when are they dated Okay. Uh, or can you just like, sorry, I, I, I like, I'm honestly trying to like dive yeah. deep into this. Can you give me like the, if you just flip through like the page of comments, like when, uh, yeah, yeah. Or like the, if you just kind of like, you know, when, when are these comments generally? Oh, they're, all from five years ago. they're all from five years ago. Uh, no, I'm just wondering, like, where, you know, trying to figure out where the traffic's coming from. But, uh, so, regardless, it's, I feel like the people, like, okay, so I'm, I'm going to just go with my feelings. This is not great, like, data analysis. Okay, so, this is the AI song contest, so... I feel like a lot of the people that are getting this served to them within their personal YouTube algorithm are people that are generally interested in tech uh, and are following like tech trends uh, and and all of that. Yeah, definitely. I think so, yeah. So, 
that falls into like a really interesting thing because I think that STEM lords of the 50s and 60s wanted their children to learn music. And then that led to a era of heightened music literacy. Like children, you know, of STEM lords then became like pretty bitchin' musicians. Okay? In what, what time are you talking? 70s and 80s. Okay. All right. Uh, and over the last 30 years, it's been increasingly na- like I mean we can just there's just the numbers of like where the budgets are going and stuff and then like STEM is hyper partitioned away from the arts. Yeah, which is weird because I think they're like so inherently interconnected. It's, it's right. really strange to me. Um, I mean, yeah, it's very strange to me, especially well because I grew up in a house. Both my parents are piano teachers. Right. And um, most of their students, it's like high, high competitive, like classical, and then my dad did blues and jazz stuff. And um, uh, most of their students are from high achieving engineer or doctor parents. Um, yeah. So I, I only really experienced a continued love of the arts in like the. Right. Um, and when I taught, that was also yeah. a tradition, like engineer parents. Well, I, I, so the thing is, is that I think that like, that's a personal, like, because we personally came from that world, our personal feed of I, our IRL feed was biased in that world. But when we look at large data analysis of, um, you know, people are going into basically STEM degrees from eighth grade on, and then there isn't arts education there isn't like school band there isn't orchestra there's no public access to music literacy do you think though that in the like maybe uh, upper echelon of society um i don't even know how to put it because it's like that it's not even necessarily like the wealthy but i would say like parents that are pushing their kids into stem do you think they don't val- like even if it's not in the public schools are are they still valuing I don't think in the same way. I mean, I think that we're seeing an... Inc- I mean, I would say that there's a higher number of, like, fail-son corporate... Like, the the corporate incest has yield... We're starting to yield uh, the uh, uh, hemophiliac oligarch. <laughs> All right. Well, wait, okay. So how are you tying this back to the... Okay, so I'm just trying to think about, like, okay, so you're looking at the comments and you're like, oh, man, this is very depressing. <laughs> Uh, sort of. I'm like, I'm, I think that there's, I think it's, it's great. I, I was like, uh, I was excited to see the analysis from this New York, or the Time Magazine yeah. writer, because I thought that he hit it dead on. And the article, uh, I'll get into other parts of the article, because it, it really is uh, fascinating in lots of ways. Right. So I guess to, to specify, like honing in on this is better than stuff on the radio and like, this is really cool and good. So the thing is, is that I think that, I guess what I'm getting at is that I think that the comment section is going to be heavily normy. all right? Like people that literally like have the radio and the algorithms and all of that, and that they're not like familiar with uh, 
the last 30 years of indie rock. Like I don't think that they I don't think that there's a crossover between those commenters and people who are listening to the uh the new Big Thief record. Okay? Right. So right. Right. that's w- music lovers going this is revolution. Right. So the question, I mean the problem is that it used to be music lovers that determined the taste of the masses. Well, so the thing is is that the masses used, I think that the masses used to have, well, no, I think that they had better access to media literacy. Uh-huh. And that that is the, I think that, I, I think that that's speaking to the larger problem is that there used to be uh, more broad access uh, and exposure to the arts. And it's because it's become increasingly both partitioned off from a certain sect of even the upper middle class and it's been fully partitioned from like the public sphere through a lack of education and funding. So as a result, we're we're going to see we're going to just see this hyper like like when we talk about like hyper partisanship in politics, like we're seeing a hyper partisanship in how people are experiencing media. Yeah. It's just like the self-perpetuating machine. Um, Right. Which is to say that like when I when I heard that, I was like, holy shit, cringe. I was about to be mad at you. That's why I kept saying wait till we're on mic. Right. Because I I was like, uh, I I was very curious to see what your reaction was. But I I thought it was going to be exactly what it was. Rage. (laughs) (laughs) It's just just like. And but so but thinking about it from a public consumption standpoint, if I was I'm putting myself back into being 10 years old and listening to Sgt. Peppers for the first time and like having my mind blown because that's my first experience with that. And I think that because of the separation that society's experienced from like even that piece of media, like even Sergeant Peppers is starting to fade from the cultural lexicon uh-huh. that something that is fully derivative of it is seen because it, it it's right. And, and the thing is, is Sergeant Peppers does legitimately slap, you know, the, the every. Yeah. Right. But I'm very sick of hearing people do the And that's the thing. So and then so we're we're getting this this crisscross here where it the thing is is that like we we have this cultural touchstone even though it's at this point 60 years old, we just like, you know, glommed onto it as children. Uh so there are you have to think about people that have not listened to Sgt. Pepper's which I think it's Right. And yeah, because you don't have that you don't have that cultural touchstone. It just sounds like they're copying copying New Order, but I like haven't really listened to them, so I was like, check out this really cool sound and you're like, they're doing New Order. <laughs> yeah, it's literally New Order. And so I and 
and that's just like a that that's what we would call like within <laughs> within the social justice sphere it would be called like a like a cultural blind spot uh-huh. uh you know and so i'm trying to i'm trying to therapize myself like in this moment like i'm trying to let go of my rage by understanding that this 60 year old cu- cultural touchstone that i'm so intimately familiar with is increasingly fading away from the cultural lexicon. That is just how time works, you know? Well, and I uh, think the thing is that when someone actually hears something totally new, like that there's no way that they heard anything really close to it um, accidentally or like, you know, through someone else's laptop speaker that they walked by at the yeah. library or whatever, you know? When it's totally fresh. I think most people's reactions are... Well, I mean, that's the... It's an intense, I don't like this. Um, And that's how you know it's something interesting. If you go like, I don't like this, but I don't know why, and I just keep coming back to it. That's sort of like, I mean, that was my first, that was my first feeling about dubstep. I was like, I do not like this. Mm -hmm. But I kept putting back on, I was like 15, whenever Skrillex, Uh Monsters, and whatever came out. And I... I, my friend showed it to me, and I was like, I do not, what is this? Right. I've never heard anything like this. I do not like this. But then, I was like, that's so, it's so weird. And I would, like, pull it back up just being like, I've never heard anything like this. I really don't like it. And then I would just, like, find, I, I started to, like, get in, I was just. Yeah, I mean, you're describing, I mean. By how much I didn't like it. This is this is physical brain chemistry. This is the um, uh, the same thing like to tie Skrillex to Stravinsky. It's a rite of spring. Right. It's the riot. Uh-huh. Uh, and the thing is, is that when you hear something new, that's like a new chord progression or a new rhythmic signature or melody or note, uh, anything like that, it's a new. Um, it's very interesting how your brain categorizes it. It's like literally a groove in your in your physical brain meat. Uh-huh. And every time that a new idea is presented, it's a new etching in your brain. Yeah, like a new neural pathway. A new neural pathway, a new a whole new like set, set of stimulus, okay? And so the thing is is that as we carve that neural pathway, it is uh, madness. It is uncomfortable. It is like it. It is uh, bad. It's a bad feeling. Okay, but the thing is, is that every time a uh, a thing lines up with an existing neural pathway, it releases dopamine. So the. F- right. So the first time, it sucks. And I guess that there's something to be said about a a society that focuses on instant gratification, uh, that that's, you know, problematic then, uh, because experiencing new music is dependent on being uncomfortable. And then what is the the point of why do anything? Oh, because you can deliver that. Well, I think that 
I guess if we're just going with this whole, with the neural pathway thing, having a bigger network of neural pathways in your brain is good. Yeah, I, I mean, I, for your I brain. I was posing the question, but my answer is that I think that uh, growth is important as a species. Right. Like, if, if we are stagnant, we die. I guess that's like the, the capitalist truth of humanity is like uh, eventually our situation on the planet is that like eventually it will end if we don't figure out, you know, there's like, mm-hmm. there's our situation in the universe is never going to be stable. And, right. Um, and I know that sounds like a grandiose zoom out, but we're talking about AI. Like we are talking about grandiose zoom outs. This is a grandiose zoom out. What is important about new art? Right. Though I would say that the accumulation of all art into one, uh, kind of blob would be the the late stage capitalism of music, which is the the pro- there is a point right. at which I, I guess I don't even mean I just mean right. as a zoom out of of the, the species. Uh huh. If we do not adapt, you know, right, if we stay stagnant. If we don't want to learn new things, we will not stay around. Oh, I mean, we have to, you know, fix the climate. <laughs> Or leave the planet Earth, right. or make a new uh, sentient thinking robot AI that can be blasted out into the stars, and we would have to accept. We would also have to accept it as a life form that is of equal value to the human species. Yeah, that is that is the inevitable problem. Are you just trying to meet Grimes? Um, she, well, she's been she's done with art. Um, uh-huh. She's saying, although she's still making art too. That's so, so yeah. That's making new art because of like her. It doesn't matter. <laughs> she said, "I feel like we're in the end of art, human art." Once there's actual AGI, artificial general intelligence, they're going to be so much better at making art than us. And I find that statement actually shocking coming from Grimes, even though she's like, because I like Grimes, uh, and I am I am similar to Grimes in that I think that Grimes actually makes like very um, she has a, she has a voice. I don't just mean her singing voice. She has a personal voice to her music. You know it's Grimes. You hear Grimes. Right. Um, she has a sound, I guess, um, and. Um, that is the thing that I'm not sure AI can replace. And I guess that's my point of this whole thing. That's my point of Daddy's Car. Uh, that's the song that we listen to. It's, it's very, ref- it's, it sounds like everyone making a thing to sound like a computer, but if you're making a thing to sound like you. Yeah. Well, I guess that we would be talking about what is, like we're talking about the singularity at this point. We're talking about actually sentient artificial intelligence because right now everything is uh it's dependent on what you feed it like it it has to it it can recreate patterns and reorder them from existing thoughts and patterns but i'd say that sentience and the the human creative endeavor 
like making your own voice, that would be dependent on consciousness. Right. And I, and then I would further go on, like if we're talking about like, uh, oh, once we have this perfect AI, it'll be better than us. Well, what we're talking about then is a, uh, what I would classify as a, like a, a live, a new species. And then uh, we would ideally be collaborating with it. Or. Right. Well, so that kind of brings me to the next part of the article. Uh huh. Um, like I said, it's very well written. Um, uh, they talk about all, a lot of prominent artists like Arca, Holly, Herndon, Tori Lemoy, who have worked with AI to push uh, music as a collaboration in the new direction. And uh, one really interesting thing, I, I know the band, um, uh, they are called Yacht, but yeah. I've never, I've like checked them out and I never was a huge fan of their music, but apparently for their last album, they, they fed an AI algorithm um, their own music mm-hmm. and then they had the AI algorithm write their next album. And then right. They, you know, they pieced it together. Right. Based on what the AI algorithm spit out. Um, did you know? Did you, did you know this? I have read that. Um, but then what was really interesting is that they um, were talking about how it was to learn to play that music live and how it was super, it was much harder to play that album live than any other album that they'd ever written because. Mm-hmm. It was new patterns that the AI had formed that wouldn't have quite been. It still sounded like them. It had yeah. no sound, but there were things that they just pro- think that they wouldn't have come up with. I mean, that's uh, that does just. I think that that's like really, really cool sampling. Maybe it would be freaking sweet to have if a Kai is listening, like a new generation sampler that auto chops and then does AI algorithm stuff to it. Based on, well, based on what you're feeding the sampler at that given time. So you're controlling the, because that's, I think that that's the magic of sampling that has existed for the last 40 years, is that you take either existing media or your own, you know, you, because people use samplers like that. You'll compose like 12 bars, but then chop it into, uh, you know, uh, 16th notes and then reorder your own phrase in, in like a different way because you're playing pads instead of playing keys or strings or uh, guitar. Right. Uh, and then that like pushes your composition into a different direction. Like it's your composition, but because you're approaching it from a new way, it yields an entirely different foreign result. Right. The composition process. So I never like use randomness to do the entire composition, because um, then I could only uh, play for other PhD students. Right, because um, people do that, and it is do that bad. Yeah. Um, job security somehow, but um, but I do think that there is an actual legitimate beauty 
to using randomness in your composition. Sometimes I'll, I'll I have I've made like a randomness generator that uh, goes to max.msp and feeds MIDI into so I can set the parameters of like tempo or like what notes it's allowed. I can you know constrain um, what it can mm -hmm. send, um, and then I can choose what instruments it's sending to, and then I'll uh, just kind of sometimes play with letting it feed. And if I hear a little phrase that I really like, I'll yep. stop it, and then I'll compose out of that phrase. Um, or I have a random word generator that I use sometimes to, like, uh, spark a start to a lyric. Um, and that's not always. I just experiment with it sometimes when I'm stuck or I really just want to break out of patterns. And I think that's the awesomeness that can come from this is, like, it could, it could fuel breaking out of patterns instead of the opposite where we just ingratiate the same pattern. Yes. Um, a quote I really like from Claire Evans, uh, who is one of the members of Yacht. Um, she was uh, asked about what if major labels used AI algorithms to, to cram simplistic earworms down aural cavities from now until the end of time. And she said uh, that algorithm exists and it's called Dr. Lou. Nice. <laughs> so. That is a solid 150 degree burn, uh, which I mean, I agree with it. I mean, but I think that that's. That made me, that alone made me, I'm going to start listening to Yacht because I was like, that's a good burn. That's a great burn. And well, I mean, that's the, I mean, going back to why. I don't find the comment section on daddy's car to be upsetting is that the way that the music industry is structured by large for the largest swath of people that you could gather like demographic data on where you could get like sample sizes where you see like, you know, patterns of behavior is that every single song that everyone has listened to for the last 30 years has been written by four people right. you mean in, the main mainstream. in the main mainstream which is and then again we because we're living in that reality we uh have been conditioned to believe that that's how reality has always been that is kind of the human dilemma like oh this is how it is therefore it always has been uh but the thing is is that is a super new thing it there it, the when you look at just who has written top 40 hits mm -hmm. it is the narrowest diversity of writer uh it, it gets narrower and narrower every year like we're down to four people yeah. and it used to be that the the top charts were like in a given year so if it's a top 40 per per week 30 of those 40 songs were different writers. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have the the amazing catalog of 60s and 70s. Well, and then it's a very strange thing because we have that... Um, that's, that was true at a time. There was more diversity in the top charts at a time when there were less... Uh, there was less access and there were less musical creators um, because of that. Like, it was harder to get in a studio. It was harder to, uh, you know, find someone to record and put out your song. And, you know, you could you, there was no uh, distributor online like a... Though, I mean, or 
On the other hand, you would have within your local town, there would be the local R&B band. There would be the local record producer. That's how we have like Muscle Shoals. That's how we have uh, Motown. And so on the one hand... Oh, I mean, you had to work with people. Right. Yeah. You had to get in the studio. You couldn't do it all yourself in your bedroom, basically. Though people did. I, I mean, I guess that, that I, I... It was just so much less common. I know that it's less... music being released online. Because, you, because also, you couldn't get a distributor necessarily on your own in the same ease that you can now. I mean, unquestionably, there's more music. Yes. But the fact that there's so many more creators with so many less creators on the top 40 is what is uh, very concerning. And I, I just listened to, so this was Grimes in 2020, and I was just listening to the Unless Dreaming on a recent, this happened like last week or something. And I, I'm not, not to just keep picking on Grimes, but I do think she's like in a place of disconnect right now. Yes. Um, well, because she was talking about talking to the CEO of Spotify, and how he was telling her that Spotify enables more creators to, and, and, and that uh, more creators are making what he called a livable wage, which I don't, that's so vague. I mean, but it's also demonstrably untrue. Like every single large breakdown statistic of our musicians making more money in mass, especially through Spotify, right. it's, it is, there is no indicator that that is true. I mean, Right. I mean, I, I mean, it just feels like, yes, you are foolish. Daniel Ek is a literal ghoul. <laughs> like, uh, that's the artist shouldn't make albums anymore guy. And he has also taken all of his Spotify profits and put them purely into making Terminators. Uh, that is the that is the end game of Spotify is literally making Terminator. Oh, Daniel Ek has become either the largest or second largest uh, investor in a uh, in a military industrial firm that is developing AI killer robots. Like a like an assassin. Like a Terminator. Like a Terminator. Just literally Terminators. Like they watched Terminator and went. Well, I think that Skynet had a really fucking good idea. <laughs> well, do you think those Terminators were composed? No, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> so it's just when you're, I, I guess that that's, I feel like that's incredibly disconnected from reality. If you're going to go talk to the Terminator guy and your takeaway was maybe... Maybe he's not being entirely truthful with me. Possibly. It does seem like uh, uh, it would be... Well, if... if uh, I would say that this would be easy, easily provable to be not true if Spotify was more... Tra or true if Spotify was more transparent with how their payout numbers work, which they are quite um, secretive with how the plays... Uh, what the time basis is for payouts when things come in and 
They're secretive, but also, I mean, there there are pretty extensive studies on how it does work. And it, it you know, when there are leaks and data about how it's not a one-to-one, like people's subscriptions doesn't actually uh, go to the artists that they're listening to, and it's distributed uh, in a... Uh, it's just literally... I mean, it is just literally Drake receives the uh, a higher proportion of uh, dollars to plays. It's the Electoral College of Streaming Royalties. Um, let's go back to the... Let's pivot back oh, okay. to the positive in this article. Um, Arca, who's an incredible producer. And, I, like, to go back, I really I really personally like Black's music. Um, I like everyone's music that's actually talking in this article. Arca is, like, is an amazing producer. Um, does a lot of incredible texture stuff. And... Uh, had this to say about uh, the AI feature. Um, When you publish an album, that's the way people will hear it forevermore. When you play a song live, it's unpredictable and ephemeral. Working with tech like Brahms, which is a, you know, musical tech, uh, allows for this third thing. Um, Lex and I got really excited talking about what it means for the way people can listen to music and the course of the industry. So thinking about how, it, like, a, a song um, could change, not just change lives, but change over time. So this was a specific, uh, the Bronze software, let me rewind real quick. Yeah. Um, the Bronze software made a text piece of technology that would dislodge music from the static and fossilized nature of recordings. Um, they uh, made a, so do you, do you remember that song Jasmine by Jai Paul? No. It's a really it's it's a good song. It was a big hit in like 2012. And um they took the first few bars of it and um the they fed it into their AI algorithm. The track gradually begins to mutate. Um I'm just quoting the article now. Yeah. Slippery guitar licks and syncopated hand claps drifting in and out. The song continues for as long as you're listening to it. A taut band uh seemingly locked into an infinite infection of infectious jam session so it takes a piece of music that's static and lets it rearrange and constantly morph that's uh 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 sorry sorry to jump on but uh uh brian eno developed a platform in the late 90s that i i would say is probably the pro like the the genesis of this project i think it's called Ten Thousand mirrors Ten Thousand paintings Something along those lines, where it's uh, it's ten thousand procedurally generated, uh, you know, musical ideas, and then when you access the the late nineties like CD-ROM program, it rearranges and recontextualizes those procedurally generated musical ideas like in and out on top and within each other. Yeah, that really sounds like a Brian Eno thing, and that does sound like. Um exactly what this is basically um i don't know how much it's generating new like what you know i don't know what the code behind right does things are i would guess it is not picking from 
Right. It's probably uh, analyzing, though it would have to, you would either have to have pre-recorded things or like some sort of MIDI. I guess it's some sort of MIDI. MIDI. I think it'll just keep going. It's almost like a screensaver of a song, mm -hmm. which is cool and not cool. It's interesting for sure. And I can see what Arco would find that. Like, it's it's interesting. Yeah. Right, which is, I mean, that's also, that's what Kanye is trying to do. Oh, yeah, so Arco's working with Kanye. Oh, okay. So yeah. So, um, yeah, that was, uh, they were together talking about this. It's like, I, I swear I haven't read this article. It's just, my brain's, on, yeah. And there, I mean, there is something to be said about like the personal engagement with a piece of music uh, that I think could be supplemental to the, uh, I guess that this, this is where I'm a fascist, is that I think that the album should be the album, uh, like as it was intended and presented, and that you by all means should be able to experience it in many different ways, but there should still be like the, the, the fascist daddy that is the... I totally agree. I mean, so, like, I was telling you this in the car, and you're like, that's weird, but I don't know if other people do. Right into us. I will listen to a full album, and if I, especially, you know, if I heard a song and I know I really like the band or whatever, I'll listen to the whole album, and then I'll have my favorite song, and I'll start listening to it in my own order. Ah. Um, but... Um, and I'll like re I kind of like remix the album. I listen to this song, then I listen to this song, then I listen to this song. I end up listening to the whole album, but in a, in a weird, in my order. But I always start with the album order. Right. As intended. Because you got God's think, order. God's order. Then you can, you know. Right. Then have all, the, yeah, have all the fun you want. But then there is something kind of magical to this idea of like, okay, what if you, you can't see, go see the band live. They're not touring, they're all dead you know, whatever reason, and then you can dive deeper into this song or this, like, catalog of places that this kind of, like, B-sides of, infinity B-sides of what this song could have been. Yeah, which I... So, okay, so sometimes... Sometimes this stuff is very cool. You know, stuff is cool. Um but you know how sometimes someone just sits in San Francisco and goes, what if it was a bus, but on the internet? Uh, okay, like two recent examples. Um, there's uh, Uber Shuttle, which is just a bus, but it's on your phone. It's a bus. It's a bus, but oh, but poor people can't use it. Uh, and then there was a new, like, giddy article in Forbes, I think, about a startup that's introducing um, uh, house share. Uh, uh, like, it's just roommates. It's just, I mean, you choose them, but on an app. Uh, but... You give them a thumbs down on the app. Thumbs down? Yeah. I, thumbs down. It's frowny face. No eggplant emoji for you, roommate. Uh, so the thing, so the thing is, is that I, there's a phenomena within the world of tech 
in which sometimes people get very excited about something that has existed uh, <laughs> is is what I'm getting at. And like as we talk about this more, it's like in the er, it's really cool because in the early '90s you used to be able to buy like a box set of uh, of an artist, and it has the B like the B C D versions of songs like outtakes and like isolated guitar tracks, uh, isolated drums, isolated vocals. Uh, I mean stems. Yeah, they're stems. You used to be able to you know just go and buy them in a special box set, and then you would then fund that person's career. Uh, and you could also, as a music producer, use these stems to sample and recreate, uh, you know, and make your own music. And to a degree, it's kind of like that. It's kind of like that. But you don't have to do anything. The AI makes your own music for you. Right. <laughs> specific like the specific topic a lot yeah and there were things that i just never thought of um so maybe i was naive but i didn't think about this what will be the legal uh battles involving copyright laws that uh when when we start having this happen more right an ai system is trained on a musician who whose works provide that original yeah data is is the copyright now held by those musicians? Is it held by the person who programmed the AI, or is it held by the AI itself? Well, I guess, I mean, we're wading into the very, very shitty world of United States copyright law, uh, and I, and then when we refer to copyright law, we are referring to again, like we live in America, so we go like, yeah, America, um, and the thing is, is that. So, well, the there's problems. So, so it's a hard, it's a hard problem. I would say to start with, right? Copywriting uh, an idea, a creative thought. Yeah. Well, no one could download the entirety of all creative thoughts that have happened, and we're all, you know, working in the system of having different influences that could. And we're collaborating. We're yeah. collaborating as a human species to further culture. Uh, yeah, well, that's a thing. So, uh, so the, the problem, one of the problems with United States copyright law is that um, there exists a provision for, uh, what is it, a common... Oh. No, not creative commons. It's a thing that corporations are supposed to have happen where it goes into the... And so the problem is, is it happens so little that I have forgotten the term. Uh, it's been Orwelled out of my brain. Because... Cre okay, so the Creative Commons is the, the solution uh, to the fact that... Public domain! Okay. It's supposed to be that uh, after a generation 
an idea enters public domain. Yeah, basically you should be able to profit from your own idea and then your And then it belongs, it belongs to, the to society. Uh, and the thing is, is that nothing that has ever made money ever winds up in public domain. It, it has to slowly over time, eventually, but it, it can be so slow. You can just keep extending it. You keep renewing it. Uh, oh, yeah, but I mean, the, in the original intent, there was no infinite renewal hack. That just got added on. Like, again, we're living in this world where we go like, oh, yeah, that's how it is. But that's not how it always was or intended to be. So here we are uh, again, kind of like how, you know, like legal precedent from 1850 uh, is maybe bad. <laughs> you don't think 1850 they knew what to do about the AI superlord? Uh, yeah, or, you know, <laughs> your fucking freedom. So, uh,. The so public domain exists as a concept, but not really in reality. And we're seeing an increase. And then within the last, if we're talking about music copyright law, there have been so many very, very interesting, shitty cases in the last 10 years uh, that are uh, like, are, are you are you up on the um, the Katy Perry one? Okay. It's bad, dude. So the problem with music and the problem with algorithms and the problem with copyright law uh, are there are seven notes. Yeah, that's not too many notes. That's not very many notes. And mathematically, uh, especially... Right, well, okay, well, within... I know, uh, within a given diatonic key... Okay, I mean, so I'm talking about pop music. So there are seven notes, uh, and then the combination of those notes that are pleasant within a given, uh, like, pop song structure, fewer than that. Yeah, I mean, I do think that that adds this interesting technicality. Yes, uh, Oh, absolutely. But the thing is, is that there are just core. Uh, so what I'm doing is that there are like atoms. There are musical atoms that are building blocks. And the Katy Perry case was there was some like absolutely dog shit fringe Christian rapper that had the same rhythmic ostinato on a song that came out a year before a Katy Perry track. And it's like it's not the melody, it's not like a it's not the vocal line or anything. It's just like one of those it's just a rhythmic ostinato which to anyone with like again media literacy you would go, yeah, fuck you. Just ah, uh, and and it's so that's the problem. That's like this is the last ten years. They're starting. No, they're starting to copyright. They're trying to. They're they're trolling court cases with chord progressions and. Someone with a classical and jazz background. 
because this is this exact same thing happened to Eminem, and my dad was a part of the case because um, he got yeah. Eminem got sued for taking out or cleaning out my closet by some Belgian yep. random Belgian artist. Yep. Who had a barely sort of similar melody. Yep. And it was like a one bar, slightly, you know. Yep. Of course, Eminem had not heard this random Belgian guy's music. Yep. He got sued for it, and the uh, Eminem's person who this that knows my dad asked uh-huh. him because they knew he has like a deep knowledge of classical uh-huh. jazz and everything that's in the public domain. Yeah. Um, so my dad just listened to this thing. Uh-huh. He went through a bunch of uh, pieces that he thought could potentially have a similar melody, and he found something that got the case thrown out. Yeah, very reasonable. So, so needs to hire my dad. No, here's the problem. You're talking about the American court system, which we are recording this in the early May of 2022. Okay. And guess what? We are faced constantly with the, uh, the problem that the American court system is bad. Uh, so the Katy Perry case, Katy Perry lost. She got all of the best musicologists in the world and, you know, people like your dad and professors and YouTube celebrities famous for analyzing music theory. And they presented this. Yes. Uh-huh. And the judge went, I don't know, sounds same to me. And then set legal precedent that that is a that that is that guy's thing and that also these little like musical like things that are just the backdrop of music that everyone who makes music knows is like an like an unavoidable you have a few good progressions uh that opened up a series of troll cases that have been picking apart like the the uh the the fucking musical landscape Oh, it's it's appealing over and over and over again, but it is absolutely it is currently Yeah, you can't but the, the problem is is that okay but the way that the it's set up is in many cases someone goes and they pick their judge and they go like here is my app right. But you get assigned a different judge. This morning uh my lawyer housemate friend cases randomly on the internet from the Michigan court system just to just to like kind of see people's arguments styles and things like that to prepare and he found this case about someone um uh giving cunnilingus to a dog mm-hmm. and um it had it the, it was being a, uh, appealed by the prosecutor because the defense had been that you can't have um buggery have buggery when no penis was involved and um fucking legal scholars um and a judge bought it a judge yeah. was like you know what that doesn't sound like buggery to me and the prosecutor was like are you fucking <laughs> serious <laughs> so the prosecutor had appealed it and then there were three judges at this 
court, and they were like, I can't believe you're here with this stupid argument. Yeah. This person banged a dog. And then, you know, this all brings up the question, how did they get caught? We don't know. We didn't get that far into the... They videotape themselves a lot of the time. That's the thing. They, they like, especially dudes, they... Right. I mean, of course it was a dude. The thing is, is that dudes, like, they do a thing and they usually, like, either tell on themselves or videotape it and, like, send it to people. Because dudes are bad. They're bad. So the thing is, is that the problem is, is that, like, when we're talking about, like, oh, we're ruled by this system of judges and stuff, eventually the it goes up to fucking seven assholes uh, that are that take away all your stuff, and and so that so we're talking for half over half. Uh, I think you're fifty one percent. Hey, so uh, so the thing is that when it's like when we're talking about again, it is the system we live in. Like, oh, that's ridiculous. They'll appeal it, right? But the thing is, is that that the same people that go like, no rights for you. They're appointed through the same system. It, it, well, that's one of them. them. Yeah. yeah. You don't think he uh, gets down to a little, uh, little Katy Perry now and then? I don't think so. His wife is really into QAnon. It's really, that's, uh, that's way off topic, but man, it's fucking bad. Okay. So you don't trust the court system? I don't trust the court system. Oh. I guess the system in general to have musical. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I that's the I guess that that goes back to the the original 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 thing is fucking media literacy has been decaying for at least 40 years and as a result because these are these are cases that uh are they there used to be like high profile music copyright cases that would pop up like in 1975 like my song went deedle 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 do and uh, theirs goes deedle 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 dop, and the judge goes fuck you. <laughs> They're different songs, you know. And and those were cases that would happen. Uh, and and they would go like ah, they would kind of go like tough. It sounds like a different song. This is like different music, you know. Uh, and then as we get into this increase, so the judges we think of judges as being perpetually eighty years old. Uh, but the thing is, is that like in the state courts and everything, they're increasingly not. They're like our age. Are we doing opposite? Where now instead of thinking it's bad that everyone's old in government, we think it's bad that they're Well, both is bad. <laughs> both is bad. The, okay, it's a it's bad that the same people have run everything for eighty five years, but it's also bad that they ran it so poorly that everyone under forty is fucking stupid. Both of these are bad. Uh, and and they've chosen the dumbest of them to, like, make these decisions. So that all of these troll copyright cases that used to just go into obscurity or there would be a funny story about how someone uh, was foolish. Because uh, the thing is, is that, like, even, you, you know, Vanilla Ice can't... T- Was did it go to Queen? Okay, well he did directly sample it. Directly sample it. Okay, yeah, that's a thing. 
if you say yeah, if you directly sample a recording, that was I guess settled law, and that makes sense. Yeah, that's Uh, substance. Yeah, and I, I was just like, oh, I'll, I'll enter that part in later, because I just thought it wasn't going to, like, I, it wasn't trying to get away with anything. Right. I was like, oh, I'll enter that part in later, I have to look it up, I'll just save it for now. And it wouldn't save, it said, um, there's a sample in the song. So it has some sort of algorithm that's uh, comparing it to... Yeah, the sonic profile. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, so I do agree with that. If you are, if you're literally taking the recording and repurposing it, then you should pay a mechanical royalty. Sure, but a a new recording of a similar to sameish idea, if it's just like musical backbone, mm-hmm. fair game. Yeah, I mean, I I think you should be able to copyright melodies, and, and there's usually there's specific laws around that. It's it has to be a certain length, right? It has to be a certain rhythmic co- and note copy. Yeah, it like it's, it's seven notes. I think it's seven notes with the same rhythm and pitch. Yeah, but not the background. Absolutely not. Yeah, so we're getting. Okay, so we're back on AI, and uh, so. Well, here is the shittier American reality that we have entered. Uh, because of all of these troll cases that have been popping off. Well, and I guess I would also say, I say that that is a bad thing, not as like someone who, I like coding, and I'm a creative coder. I think that you own your code right, yeah. you know, uh, even though I really like that a lot of coding is based on open source things, and that's mostly what I use. Um, but uh, I think it could be bad because then it can be so there is a uh, no. It's like funnier and dumber. Uh, there is an effort being made because because of these like Katy Perry cases, in which like a lot of the musicologist community like got involved and was like, "This is dumb," and then you know someone was like, "I don't know," you know, and ruled against them. They've been trying to come up as a community with a solution that stops stupid shit like this happening uh-huh. within the American framework. Okay. So they have proposed a hard drive full of 7 trillion chord and melody uh, automatically AI-generated compositions that encompasses all melodies and all progressions. Uh, but like two bars, uh, like within the legal framework of what is a copyrightable melody. So they they've just spat out an algorithm of every single melody uh, that exists on a hard drive, every permutation, and they are going to try to argue that this hard drive is now the copyright holder of all music, and that they declare that all music is now copyright free. It's like a community of musicologists and like, uh, you, uh, oh, Adam Neely, the, uh, uh, the, the dude who did the, the thing that we got really into, 
uh, with the uh, rhythmic uh, chords. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like a fourth or a third or a second or a fifth, that that ratio, um, when sped up, creates a harmony. Yes. Um. So like that's to say that the ratio of, uh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Of the rhythms create harmonies are like you can think of harmonies as rhythms and rhythms as harmonies, and you can like hear it spread out over time. Uh, okay, so he's a part of this. Yes. Oh, Adam Neely is like if uh, who's the who's the nice young man that your mom always wants you to try to talk to? Man, which which one? My mom, my mom, meaning very well, always tries to tell me. She tells me to email Lauren Anderson. Uh huh. Um, Jacob Collier. Yeah. She, she really thinks I should reach out. Okay. To Adam Neely is like if Jacob Collier was actually a genius. Oh. Uh, like, <laughs> quote me on it. Uh, because uh, Adam Neely like actually tours and act, like does all that stuff and is also a huge. Well, I mean, I know that Jacob Collier tours, but Jake, he is a human algorithm. No, but I mean, like, Adam Neely, like, actually tours. He just, like, lost $13,000 or something and made a YouTube video about it. He's, like, actually doing it. So, uh, uh, but that said, big, like, m- face of music theory and was involved in these legal cases. Uh, and Why does he want this? I-, I think this is stupid. Do you think this is good? I think that it would be better than uh, the current legal framework that is... No, you you can make money off of anything, and it doesn't matter if it kind of sounds like something else. Okay. If you make it and record it, steal your melody, but they have to record it on their own or do. Yeah. It, it, so it's like if they sample you, it'll still catch that. Yes. But no one can steal their melody. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. It's like JSTOR, uh, the 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 guy. Who right. Make everything accessible, mm-hmm. and then they ruined his life. He, yeah. yeah. Yep. Very bad. Um, uh, I don't know how to. I have to really think about that. Yeah, I, I mean, my gut reaction is like, boo. Yeah, because you've got this terrible brain worm. But uh, I really think Adam Neely is like a genius, so. Right, and, and it's so the thing is that. But it's just like I think that like where it comes from is also so the thing is is that uh, I think where we di- differ you don't like the preciousness of melody becomes increasingly less precious the more that you do improvised music. Uh, I think what just turned off? Oh, was, that? The, was it the screen? Okay, I was like, oh no, something's changed. Um, so. 
I think that the more improvised settings that you exist in and the more that you start to see melody as just another function of the the kind of chordal algorithm, like within a given space, and the more that you just go, you start to just be increasingly less precious about like, that's my lick. Well, I mean, I think I guess we're I I think we're talking about a very specific subset because there's uh I mean there's plenty of examples of like improvised melodies that are great uh like in golden age. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not saying the inherently improvised. I mean, I think you're always improvising a melody when you're writing, even if you're not playing an improvised like you don't have an audience there, but if you're mm-hmm. if you're writing on your own, you're and you're not trying to learn another song you're improvising you know you're mm-hmm. always improvising melodies when you're coming up with something new right um i think that people that are the best like the highest level of jazz improv though i've heard the stuff they write and mm-hmm. the stuff they've written and it's yeah but uh, but i but we're still we're just talking about like a philosophical outlook Yeah, sure. I mean, but that's a, like I guess that's the thing. Like it's it's personally helping you, and that and 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 I'm not I'm not going to take that. I guess I'm my statement in that like that's where this legal precedent would come from, which I think is ultimately the most libertarian musical. Uh, it's maximum freedom. Okay, like I'm exist. Like I guess when I think of uh, and. Uh, all I'm saying is that from a legal perspective and then why, so there's a legal perspective and then there's a philosophical perspective that's kind of feeding this libertarian idea. And it's like, well, why would you have this libertarian view? And I do think that it comes from an improviser brain because it's like from the same thing. A different brain's going to approach it from a different angle, but ultimately legally maximum freedom is where I always want to be. Exactly. So I can believe that um, that co- that Hello Kitty coffee mug is absolutely dictating the entire fundamental. Uh, uh, I don't know that Hello Kitty coffee mug it's is. The- The Hello Kitty coffee mug is telling me that I have to eat seven jelly beans a day. Okay, not where I thought you were. Okay. If I am consuming my own jelly beans, seven a day, as dictated by the Hello Kitty coffee mug, that is fine. That is fine. That's fine. 
If I take your jelly beans because the Hello Kitty coffee mug told me that any jelly bean in existence is mine and I can do what I wilt with your jelly beans, Mm -hmm. that's bad. That's not fine. (laughs) And I don't think that it would be fair if I was just eating my seven jelly beans. If I were to come in and go like, it's relationship between you and this coffee mug is sick. Right, and you can't. You can only have six jelly beans. Or. Right. You know, it'd be criticizing the value that this coffee mug brings to your life with its telepathic jelly bean right. prescription. That would be cruel. That would be cruel, especially, you know, that, that's it. So when I'm talking about the preciousness of melody as observed by two different people from two different backgrounds, I am not trying to take your coffee mug away from you. Just merely the other perspective. Yeah. yeah. So where's that case going? Was that like a very recent thing? Uh, it's within the last 12 months. So with, I guess, COVID and everything. So, yeah. I mean, music, like you bring it up, music copyright is in a very interesting place right now. All about daddy's car. It's all really just about daddy's car. It's um, always been about daddy's car. And yeah. It has been, I don't heart radio. I do not heart radio. Daddy's car could be your next favorite band. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to, you know, yes, do the tag. AI could be your next favorite band. AI could be your next daddy. Damn. CD band. Your daddy still got CDs in his car. Okay. If you uh, have a band that we should be listening to, if you have an AI-generated song that we need to be aware of that is uh, not at all derivative and totally makes us rethink... Have you created a sentient life form on your laptop? Please write us in at idontheartradiopod at gmail.com. Uh, if you have stories about touring, if you have stories about playing with your band, if you have stories about going to a show, um, if you have a story about, um, I don't know, what do you got stories about? You've already asked for robot songs. You're good. You've got the you've got the regular thing, and you've got the bonus. You already did it. How could you be so? Some-